0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 109 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar
2: US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we sit down with Angela Ardolino from CBD Dog Health to talk about CBD for dogs. The critter of the show is the duck. In Critter Nutrition, we focus on alfalfa for horses. And in Coffee Clutch, we ask if your horse or dog was a human, what kind of truck or car would he or she drive? Listen in. I'm Tigger. I'm Patty.
3: And I am Producer Coach Jen. Thanks for joining us.
2: So, I have an announcement. I'm about to break my virgin Zoom experience. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. Zoom
3: voyage. What are
2: you going to do? Yeah, this is big. So, next Tuesday, that's May 12th at 7 p.m., I'm hosting a Zoom question and answer, Biostar Zoom (laughs) question and answer with Tigger. And my main topic is demystifying probiotic supplements.
3: Whoa. Oh.
2: Q&A with Tigger. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Q&A with a little, you know, we'll talk about probiotic supplements and try to make it easier for people to read the labels and what, what are they actually giving their horse and what to look for and so, and then open it up for any other questions that. People have been wanting to ask me. And so
1: it's pretty cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> date, I'm,
3: I'm a, a little date, scared. scared. Yeah. 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 The date again.
2: And the date is May, Tuesday, May 12th at 7 p.m. And to find out more information, you can call our 800 number, 800 686 9544, or we will be sending out an email alert this coming Friday. And if you didn't get that, Definitely call the office and ask for the link.
3: Cool. And if you're on the uh, BioStar email list and get what? the newsletters, you'll get it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Cool.
3: Because I'm on the BioStar and it, newsletter. And
2: if you're not, you can you can jump on our website, BioStarUS dot and sign up for the newsletter. There you go. <laughs> it's very informative and fun. Yes. And oh, cool. now I I know Jen, you have a question that you're just dying to ask us. I yeah, I, yeah, I I I'm dreading this. Is about as much as a little I'm bit. Dreading I'm assume. a little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Are you a little mm-hmm. bit worried?
3: Mm-hmm. A little bit stressed? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not stressful at all. This past nope. week okay. here in Central Florida, where I live, most of the horses are pretty well shed out. Hello, spring gets here really early. And my OTTB Nigel has an extremely thin hair coat, so it doesn't take him much to get shed out. But his mane and his tail, a Shetland pony would be proud. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes, there's a lot of it, and it grows incredibly fast. And I was looking at the mane, which had grown halfway down his neck again and yeah. redding having to do something with it to keep it neat and reasonably short. I primarily ride English. I like the look. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't have a lot of time to fuss with his mane. I really would rather be riding my horse than playing with his mane, despite the fact that I love a beautifully pulled mane. So I got the clippers out, and I gave him a buzz. And he actually looks kind of cute in it. He looks, he looks like uh, if Arnold Schwarzenegger-shaped polo pony. <laughs> he looks really cute. But it got me to thinking what are your main maintenance procedures what are your go to this is how we do it this is the best way to do it this is how i hate it ha- hate it to happen that's that's what i'm curious about now i'm going to start with patty because patty you're a competitive rider so your yes. options are limited
1: yeah well and you know and being a big you know pre rider a lot of times people like to keep their mains long and it's just funny cuz this is in such a recent topic of discussion because i've got a couple clients that are like oh wow you know how you know i know that you used to ride you know all those stallions what did you do with their mains well my my husband my sweet husband is the one that used to braid them and did a great job i personally could never do it and i and i can't ride with their mains long so i like them to be short as well so you know we would just braid them but as far as my other horses that I have, you know, for the longest time, you know, I'm really big on, you know, twice a month kind of cleaning their manes up and making sure their bridle path is done, blah blah blah. But I had a couple horses that that when you would pull their mane, they would like bleed at the base of their crest. So I stopped doing it, and I just started I started cutting it, and so I I cut it. I I'll actually cut it. I will cut it. I like to leave them a little longer, but I'll cut it and then I'll go in and kind of make, you know, with like thinning shears to make it not look so blunt, but mm-hmm. that is actually what I do.
3: Do you keep it about what, what length is ideal for you?
1: I like it a little longer because I, I really hate, I hate when their manes flop over on both sides. I like it to be very neat yeah. that way. Yeah. So I am a big advocate of having it like a little bit longer so I can stay on one side. So mm-hmm. I would say probably my full hands width. Oh, that's so not many, real
3: long. That's not a particularly special. Well, I mean, it's
1: you know. long. Yeah, it's longer than what I used to. I mean, I used to be real, you know, really just like four fingers. Yeah. You know, but I like a little bit, a little bit longer.
3: Now, when you braid for competition, what type of braids
1: do you like to use? I just like the big old fat, big old fat Dutch braids. braids. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. didn't know
3: if you went with those snazzy all the way down their neck kind of. Fancy schmancy braids
4: that,
1: you know, years ago, I mean, it was such a thing that we used to do, but then the, I don't know, Tigger, do you remember when the Dutch braids became a big thing and we were all like, oh my gosh, because I used to do the hunter braids and I would try to get as many in and I'd do the white tape and I do, and it would take forever. I mean, I now in 15 minutes can have those. I, I and I also, but I'm like real big on the horses being comfortable, especially when they're in competition. So, you know, I always, always insist that the braids come out as soon as they're done i know a lot of people get their horses braided for the weekend and i think i think it's cruel because if i mean i know what it's like if i keep a you know my hair braided too long or whatever or a ponytail too long it feels i can't even imagine what it must feel like to a horse and especially you know if you can pull their manes and it can bleed i can't imagine how uncomfortable it is so i like to get it right out you so, know so in, i do just out. do rubber bands. Okay. they go in they go out mm-hmm I mean, I, I make them snug I make them look good, but I don't, I don't, I make sure they're comfy. Cool.
3: So how about you, Tigger?
2: Well, I was very spoiled it because I spoiled. had a fantastic groom who yep. came from the hunter world and she did phenomenal braids and they weren't hunter braids, but uh, on my particular horse, he had such a beautiful neck. That the way she, if if you did the button braids, it wasn't as beautiful as her (laughs) dressage-y hunter braids. (laughs) Well, different types
3: of braids make different types of necks look good. It's just a hairstyle, sure.
2: And she'd, you know, she'd make the rosette, but she did it the old-fashioned way by braiding down with yarn and tying it and then tying it up and Mm -hmm. wrapping it. So, because I am the world's worst braider. In fact, I would dare say Jim Coford and I win the award on <laughs> flunking pony club braiding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I can do it in a pinch, but yeah, I, I was very lucky to have, have a really good groom who was really good at it. And Lion had a very easy mane. It wasn't a coarse mane. It was a very soft mane. So it was really easy to braid.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Now, for pre braiding, wash before or not?
2: Oh, I'm a no washer. No
3: wash? How about you, Tigger?
2: I'm a washer, but no conditioner.
3: No conditioner. Okay. Rubber bands or yarn or thread?
2: Yarn. Rubber bands.
3: You're a bandy gal? Okay.
1: Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'll do yarn. I will do yarn for sure, but they will come out. I like, have people do, but because I take them out, I mean, I redo them all the time. So
3: Now when you do forelocks, especially with the PREs, because they have, generally speaking, a pretty generous forelock, do you do a mm-hmm. fancy little um, French braid so it all comes yeah. out nice? Do you do yeah. the forelocks that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yep.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, yes. final, final question on main maintenance. Main tamer, the funny little neck, where they wear or not? Uh huh. Yeah. How about you? Patty?
1: Yeah, Patty. No. I mean, I used to to do that, but you, you mean in tamer after you have the braids in?
3: No, just to make, make it you- lay flat.
1: No, I, I. You know what I used to do years ago, and again because I'm starting to let their means grow a little bit longer, I will braid them over and hold them. I used to take after I was done riding, and they you know they were still you know cooling off. And generally, obviously, in the summer, is I would just take a towel and get a blanket clip, and yep. let it sit on there and start yep. cooling off. Yeah, yep. like I'm sure I. Learned, I'm sure, that. I yeah. that Cindy. Cindy. I sure I learned that from Cindy. I'm sure yep. I learned that from. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's a that's a handy one. Cool. Well, I was just curious because I have never, I have not shaved a horse's mane off like that since I was just a little itty bitty kid riding around <clears throat> cloverleaf barrel patterns on a little fat handy down pony, but. I, I love a beautiful mane that's neatly kept and it all lays on one side of their neck. And yeah. Nigel's, this is especially pretty because he's just got the tiniest little bit of dark brown mane in his hair and his mane. He's a chestnut. So it's really, really pretty. And it made me so crazy every time I wrote him to see it flapping around. He looked like, um, what's the comedian's name? Carrot top. He looked like carrot top. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awful. So I said, Oh, heck, just clip the sucker off. And I discovered something he has. He, the center of his mane is darker colored than the edges. Oh, wow. Like a like yeah. a dorsal stripe in his mane. His body doesn't have it, but his mane does. So I don't know if it's because of the sunshine factor or what it is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when it grows out. And if you all out there in listener world have interesting ways that you keep your horse's manes beautiful, whether you ride English, Western or not at all, we would love to hear about it. And how can they tell us about it, Pigger,
2: Send us a postcard. <laughs> BioStar US, One Cleveland Street, Suite 800, Gordonsville, Virginia, two two nine four two. And I am thrilled to have on our show today, Angela Ardolino from CBD Dog Health. She also has a podcast called "It's a Dog's Life," and that's actually how we met. Was she invited me to come on her podcast? and we had such a good time that i thought well wow, <laughs> let's bring the party over to healthy critters <laughs> yay yay so welcome to healthy critters angie and thanks for let, having let me just tell our listeners that angie has done something really interesting with with cbd and i think if you're like me as much as we believe in CBD, going out into the market and trying to find CBD for our dogs is, is like a giant expedition (laughs) because Mm -hmm. there's so much on the market and it's hard to read what the labels really mean and what dosages mean. And do you want an isolate? Do you want full spectrum? It's for the average consumer, it's overwhelming. And what I think Angie has done so brilliantly is on her website which is cbddoghealth.com she has made it really easy for us dog owners to go to her website and find the cbd that our particular dog needs and I I really kudos to you because it's right. it's so difficult um, wading through everything on CBD. So, without further ado, mm-hmm. tell us how you got involved in CBD and hemp.
4: You betcha! Thanks so much for having me. And you're probably see a difference with me because I do what you do, but in the cannabis, you know, space for pets. So, you know, it's based on science and. experience experience and education, but my whole journey started when I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in 2015, and I'm a pretty, you know, live a pretty natural lifestyle, so I don't really, I try to avoid prescription drugs and eat the right thing and change diet, and the one thing I'm terrible at is controlling my stress and anxiety, so <laughs> that's probably how I got the damn rheumatoid arthritis in the first place. <laughs> So I tried to, uh, I just started to look into what could relieve my pain, you know, naturally. And that's how I found medical cannabis. And so I got some and tried it. And not only did my joint pain go away, I was in a much better mood and my stress and anxiety levels went down tremendously. So I... That made me more and more intrigued in it, and then at the time, I ran a parenting uh, publication that covered like the West Central Coast Florida area, and I always talked about natural things that we could do with our kids and our pets, and of course, I've always loved pets, and I started to get involved with a group called Cana Moms who were treating their children who were having seizures and cancer and disorders and all kinds of things with uh, CBD and medical cannabis. So I got, became an advocate and I was just like, I don't understand. Why are, Why can't we get this to these kids? And I went to a big conference in San Diego where I listened to one doctor after another, one kid after another, one parent after another who was saved by medical cannabis and I mean, I was bawling, crying, and I'm just was like, this is inhumane to keep this from us, this medicine, this incredible all natural medicine. So that's what I committed to join the fight. I sold my magazine, threw myself into the industry and, you know, was known as an advocate known as that I wanted to create a medicinal product. I didn't know for who or for what. But I got invited to attend the first, the inaugural class at the University of Vermont School of Medicine offers a cannabis biology science therapeutic uses program. And I was invited to attend and I did. And that's when I found out that animals have the same system as we do. It's called the endocannabinoid system and i learned everything about the plant and the biology of the plant and how it works and the uses and when i found out i could work on my animals it was like ha! i was <laughs> like i'm going to take my two favorite things in the world which are animals and you know it's specifically dogs and cannabis and i knew this is what i would be doing for the rest of my life um, and the reason was wow. the I was one of the first, you know, I remember trying to find a product for my pet and I couldn't find one. And if I tried human products, they usually had flavoring or sweeteners. Uh So that and nobody was really, people were just pumping out products and nobody was really using any plant science and biology and how to use medicinal plants. Like, like we know how to do with essential oils and herbs and things we find in nature. So to me, it was a no-brainer to combine my favorite plant medicines and tinctures. And I knew how to make it easy for the consumer to figure out what their pet needed because I also own a grooming and boarding um, business that also has a little bit of retail where we only sell natural products. Uh, Like BioStar, and we as a little plug there. Not an endorsement. This is not a paid endorsement. (laughs) I promise. And I forgot what I was saying. Oh, so I would see dogs come in and know what I would see. What they were suffering from, I would know. It would be perfect for them to try a CBD product. But of course, leaving them to try to read the labels, you know, because the people making it just know it's good, but they don't know what it's for or how it works. It's just a general label. And then on top of that, you know, you got to deal with what the FDA is saying, the hemp mm-hmm. industry is saying what they want you to put on the label, what they don't want you to put on the label. So between all that, I mean, I've had, I remember someone saying to me when I started, you're going to change your labels a lot,
0: you know, mm. get
4: over it. And I was like, not me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Still, you know, like, yeah, that's an old label. Sorry about that. Uh, Because, you know, we're in a crazy industry that, you know, a new product that doesn't exist, a new new product that's out here and nobody knows it's not unregulated. So, yeah, that's going to happen. But that's why our tinctures are divided the way they are. And I created salves also, which, I mean, people were laughing at me and giving me so much love. And I'm like, no, this is what I'm using in my shop on a regular basis. This is what I also have a rescue farm. This is what I what I use on my animals at my farm on a regular basis. I should have buckets of it because everybody's getting slathered with a salve and given a tincture on a regular basis, whether it's a pig or a rabbit or a duck or a chicken or a dog. <laughs> but that's how it started. And now we're here. And, you know, when people ask me what I do the last thing I say is I have a CBD company because it's like a dirty (laughs) word now, (laughs) no? And I'm like, I'm not like the others, I promise. So it's nice to be recognized and stand out. And, you know, we're, I have been an advocate and an educator from the very beginning, you know, when it passed here in Florida, first it didn't pass. And so we had to fight for two more years and get it passed. And then we realized, okay, we'll get it passed. And, we can't do anything if no doctors or vets know how to use it. So Mm -hmm. I held conferences. I've trained hundreds of vets and medical doctors now on how to use it. And so that, you know, patients could find doctors and patients could find vets that actually knew a little bit about it. And now, you know, here we are, we're still doing it. We just came back from a tour of the West coast where we you know, educated. It's, it's awesome to go back to California, which is where I kind of started my education. So I've learned, I've, I've grown, learned, worked in the industry in both California and in Canada. You know, at first I thought I was going to be a cultivator because I couldn't even find
0: people Mm -hmm. growing
4: a medicinal product. You know, everybody, if it became a recreational state, it was all about how much THC you could put in something instead of Yeah, can we grow a strain that's high in CBD instead, <laughs> you know? And then the farm bill came along, and the farm bill made it a lot easier, and that's when we were able to launch our product. So even though I created it in 2016, I had to wait till 2018 to launch it. Wow. Because of the farm bill. Because I, I only believe, and well, it doesn't matter what I believe, what I was taught, what I, what I believe, and what has been studied, researched, and proven is that full spectrum products are what work best. So um, my product does have the point, you know, less than the .03% THC in it, which is what's legal in all 50 states and so do our Sabs. So what happened is if you didn't want to wait till that to happen, you just created a broad spectrum product and took out the THC. I didn't do that. I waited because I knew it's not a medicinal product without that little bit of THC in it because it's no longer full spectrum. So that's why some companies launched before. And that's why the fear of THC was perpetuated through the pet industry to scare consumers away from it. So you probably still like type in, does THC kill your pet? Does cannabis, does CBD kill your pet? And you're probably going to find some stupid article somewhere that someone wrote or whatever and said, yes, but I could tell you as an expert, there is, nobody has ever died from consuming cannabis or THC. Mm. They actually tried to do, they actually did a study back in 1973 to try to see how much THC it would take to kill a person. And of course, in a lot of studies, the research studies and case studies, they use animals instead of humans, of course. So they used lab rats, beagles, and chimpanzees. And I think it was 9,000 milligrams of THC they gave these animals. Two rats died of aspiration, passed out, and, you know, choked on their throw up. And none of the beagles and none of the chimpanzees died. As a matter of fact, their liver learned to metabolize it and bring them back to normal. So there is no lethal dose that can kill anybody even if it's straight to 9000 milligrams of THC that's Holy insanity how well, it's not. A, it's so it,
1: it's so interesting i googled real quick and it it's just it's it's amazing how many exactly what you said there's a bunch of articles out there
4: you know no, the first one is, is from the akc yeah i think it's akc.org and it said you know safe cbd safe and they wrote it in i think 2015 or 16 and I have written them and said, Hey, I'm an expert. Da, 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 I'd be happy to update this for you. Wow. Nope. <laughs> so that's, that's, it's a crazy, I knew getting into it. I loved that it was a new industry, but I knew very quickly that it was going to be nuts because in California, yeah. it was cowboys and you know, it was a wild, wild west. And still I mean, it was being done and, Oh yeah. It just keeps changing what, it, what's messed up and crazy keeps changing. But it's a great place to see and learn and go like, for instance, we just went and met with the people the vet board in California said vets weren't allowed to talk about it. (laughs) You're like, what? What? This is a state that's had medical cannabis for over 25 years and vets can't talk about it? So they had to fight. So they fought and now they're allowed to talk about it but they're not allowed to recommend it. And then <laughs> the talking about it, oh it my all gosh. Kinds of rules. you know, they can't have ownership in a company, yada, yada, yada. But the good thing is, is that we got the blueprint and we met with any everybody. We're actually making a documentary and writing a book about this whole process. <laughs> but we got the blueprint for, for what they had to do to get it changed. And of course, they're still fighting to be able to recommend it next. So that if any other state decides to do this for whatever reason, that we can go, okay, well, this is how they did it in California, and this is how we're going to do it here. So it's it's kind of funny how you end up being an advocate for vets because they're scared to death. They have no mm-hmm. idea if they mention it that they may lose their their license or get in trouble or whatever it is. it is. It's so stupid. Anyway... It's a weird struggle. I bet I have a lot in common with you of going through some. Anytime you're dealing with the natural products, you know you got to go through different different loops.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's for sure. I I want to tell you that I am in love with one of your products.
5: Yay!
2: And um, in Good fact, one. I placed uh, the the salmon with the CBD. My I was just, I was just dog looking at it, yeah. Just go crazy for this. But the best part is, is how they are after about 30 minutes after they've had one. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I'm cool, I'm good, I'm chilled, I'm fine. Yeah. Awesome. It's and it's the only reason awesome. that I
4: ended up making treats is because again, everybody was coming out with a chew or a treat but they were using an isolate. Nobody was using full spectrum. Yep. If you do use full, mm. full spectrum and you throw it in, let's say the batter or the cooking, it gets heated up, you ruin the medicine. So yep. I'm just sitting here going, what is everybody doing? Not realizing nobody else knows what they're doing. They just know that it's this is good stuff. So throw it in the batter. Why not? Look, I can get it in powder form. I can put it in my peanut butter. And I'm just sitting here going, this is no longer medicine. This is no longer a nutritional supplement. This is no longer a whole plant, a whole food. What's going on? So people kept bugging me. And I'm like, okay, well, I only believe in raw and freeze-dried and dehydrated. So let's see. Let's see if I can find someone (laughs) to get me a salmon treat. And then I can actually spray the full spectrum on it, which is what I did. But it's, you know, the treats are the most difficult thing. I still don't know of another treat that's doing it right. I don't know but wow. they sell treats like crazy.
2: <laughs> I I'm, I, I seems, ordered yeah. two large bags just yesterday because I'm oh, so yay. impressed with them. Good. Oh, I yeah, to look I would at love some for you to
4: follow our, the tinctures and salves because, you know, as you know, I add other essential oils which have medicinal compounds, and a lot of them have some of the same terpenes and compounds as cannabis does. Yes. So they I, actually I, help it work better.
2: I've got one dog on Ease, which is with the turmeric and frankincense. Yeah. And it's taken a few days, but today is the first day I really started seeing an improvement.
4: Right. I'm it's like, a, okay, it is a gradual. Great. It's a much lower yep. dose than, like, the heel is. So
2: it's right. good, I'm
4: glad. And they usually like the taste of that one.
2: Yeah, I just put it right in his food. Mm, Cool. But we like putting it on
4: their lip I mean under their lip onto their gums so it goes right into their bloodstream.
2: Yeah, he's not so tincture. crazy about that. Yeah <laughs> you
4: could ru- you could put it in their inner
2: ear also. Oh wow oh, interesting. okay. And the
4: thin skin and in the inner ear if yeah. you rub it in there it also can get into the bloodstream nicely. And okay. in cats you can rub it into their paws. And they'll get it goes into their bloodstream, in between their toes and their little paws.
2: Yeah, I should mention that you do the the oh, CBD wow. tinctures for cats as well.
4: We do, and and for horses. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Not too long ago, see, I guess it's about two months now. Oh gosh, no, six months now ago. My neighbor, we were. I was in California on the Healing Naturally tour. And my neighbor texted me and said, my donkey has colic and the vet's here about to put it down but uh. i thought i'd text you first and i said well i'm glad you did and i texted my boyfriend and i said hey run over there with bottle of heel <laughs> to give to the donkey and we gave it to the donkey and literally the vet was there ready to put him down kids are crying everything donkey got up eight hours later Past the big old poop and still alive today. So I saved my first donkey the other day. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> because I had no idea how to dose. I didn't know anything. Honestly, what I do is I don't want to see anything in pain or suffering. Yeah. So yeah. whatever's going to yeah. happen. I know nobody wants to see their animal in pain. So it's the first thing I go to because I'm like, it's, I know it's going to get rid of inflammation. It's going to calm them down. And it's gonna it's gonna relieve the pain of yep. whatever is happening. Yeah, um, I live on a lake where you know I look out and I see one of my ducks coming out of the lake and he's kind of limping. And I go over there and I I don't know if it was a gator or snapping turtle or what, but his entire side is open and all of his guts are basically laying on the ground. And I'm like. Okay, let's go get the CBD oil and a towel and let's give you some CBD oil and I'll calmly drive you to the vet now. <laughs> you
5: know,
0: it's oh, just wow. like,
4: doesn't even bo- I don't even bother to freak out anymore. I'm like, okay, deep breath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember going to the vet going, okay, uh, do what you can. You know, if you can save him, save him, which I guess you should never say to a vet because, of course, he saved him and he became my $450 duck. Huh. Interesting. But, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. They like put everything back in, sewed them up, kept them in like a little, you know, small space for like a month, and good as new.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Crazy.
2: well. CBD is something that, in in my opinion, should be in every medicine cabinet. Yeah. And I call it uh, in
4: your holistic toolbox. Yes. Mm. I also I also think every senior pet and person should take CBD because we all have inflammation and joint pain and everything starts to change and it's a perfect. It's I think it's the perfect supplement to add to your pet and yourselves regimen because it really does. It just really relieves anxiety and stress and inflammation and uh, on my on my rescue farm I get a lot of old senior dogs that either are given up or their owners have to give up because you know they're so expensive and they have all these issues and problems and prescriptions or they've taken them to the vet and they've tried everything and they can't anymore and the pet is they take the take it to the vet to be put down and I get the pet and I have nothing to lose and I take them off Everything that's, you know, synthetic and a prescription and put them on fresh, raw and do everything naturally. And I watched one dog after another's tumors come off, explode, (laughs) dry up, go away, lose weight, come back to life, start to hear again, run around, look up into my eyes, you know, just completely thrive. They're totally going backwards. We call it Benjamin button because they literally start becoming more puppy like again. And that's mostly because they're not feeling any pain or discomfort Mm -hmm. anymore. And when you don't feel that you come back alive. And when inflammation goes away, it also opens up the communication between whatever was blocked between, let's say it was the spine and the, and the brain and says, Hey, I'm alive. And they want to get up and run and do all the things that they love do that they didn't do before because they didn't feel good.
2: Well, the endocannabinoid system is, to me, one of the many marvels of nature. Yeah. The way that system works.
4: It is amazing.
2: And, and what are, I think
4: is important is that it's not a say it doesn't cure all, it's not a safe nope, all.
2: No. Nope. It's a
4: system that helps your body stay in homeostasis. In homeostasis. So,
2: yep. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So if your body is off and you have a deficiency in your endocannabinoid system and you feed it with a full spectrum um, C B D product, it fills those deficiencies, help brings your body to homeostasis and then the healing can begin. But you yeah. have to say, if it's your pet. Okay, do I need to change my diet because the immune system lives in our guts and our pets' guts. So if we don't fix our gut, then the issues are still going to to keep popping up. So a lot of times you yeah. have to go, okay, time, time to add a, a supplement, time to change the diet, time to look at the diet in case you're still feeding a, a kibble diet and look at adding fresh and raw or just going fresh and raw. Yep. <laughs> Cuz you know, we have a joke here at the farm that right now we have 11 dogs and we have, I want to make, you know, one of those signs that you see construction sites. It's been this long since there's been an accident. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want mine. I want to say, you know, it's been this long since we've gone to the vet that we've had to gone, go to a vet for any reason. And it's because they, these dogs now have immune systems that, that help them keep healthy and fight off. I mean, I, The things I watch the dogs' bodies do is amazing when you let them do it and when you support it. So I I love watching it. It's it's almost kind of become a weird thing that I love. I'm like, yep, old, decrepit. Yep, got what does it have? Yep, more it has. Give it to Mm -hmm. me. I'm gonna heal it. (laughs) You know, I've got confidence now that I've had so much success with just using natural products.
2: Well. Angie, thank you so much for coming on Healthy Critters. Yes, thank you. And sort of what? demystifying CBD.
4: Okay,
2: we have to find another show to be on. So, where can people find you, Angie?
4: They can find me on my website, which is angelaardolino or you could just Google my name, Angela Ardolino. Um, if they're interested in the products that we talked about or any of my tinctures, swabs or treats, they can go to cbddoghealth.com and you can find both of us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.
2: Woohoo! This conversation was not intended to be medical advice. If your pet needs medical advice, please seek it from your veterinarian. <laughs>
5: Hello? Hetty! 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 Hello, Fred. I have been very isolated due to coronavirus. we was so lucky <laughs> to hear your cheerful <laughs> phone.
2: Thank you, Hetty. We know that you have some observations or tips that you wanted to share on a dog rescue.
5: Oh, well, of course, I'm always happy to share on this topic. As you know, I am a rescue dog in progress. (laughs) My recently adopted friends, we cannot quite call them family yet due to the fact that they remain bonkers, have reminded me of the progress required to go from being a puppy no dog to being a pet. So Mm. my Friends, Teas Blossom and Mustard Seed really like our home. And uh, for example, they are very excited about toys. They love toys, perhaps to an exhausting extent for those of us who live with them. However, it is important to note that they came here straight from the puppy mill. And even though our humans are being ridiculously nice to them, they are still very frightened and you have to approach them carefully. It still takes two humans to try to get their harnesses on. And you have to very patiently take them outside. And one of them lunges around on the leash like a young horse running, 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 running. And she has only recently learned that she can walk in straight lines. And the other one, she often just flies down in the grass like a caterpillar and won't move. We call this the coma of despair, which is sort of like crouched down in terror, but not quite as charming because I do crouch down in terror and she does coma in despair. So our humans are working very hard to get them to be relaxed and to take treats and to have toys and to be normal. But for anyone who is adopting a dog from the puppy mill situation, it's important to remember it takes a long time. And so you need to be really patient and try not to have expectations of normal behavior ever. (laughs) (laughs) Ever.
2: Very good point, Hedy. It is a very good point.
5: Yeah, I mean, they're very cute dogs, and they're going to be really good friends of ours soon. But right now, they're still a little weird.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Have you introduced them to cheese?
5: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheese has helped a lot in their uh, less feral being. They like cheese. We all like cheese. And I like them because as a result of them, I get more cheese.
1: We'll see.
3: You're such a giver, Hedwig. You're such a giver. <laughs> you are. Well, thank right you. Now. Thank you very much for your advice and for being a patient sibling of the the two new fur babies in your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're looking forward to more updates
1: on
5: their progress.
1: Yep. Yes.
5: Yeah, I think the most recent prediction, they've been here three weeks, the most recent prediction was we might be able to get them upstairs in another three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> there we go.
3: <laughs> thanks, Hedy. Bye-bye, Hedy. bye Tom. Thanks, thanks Bye-bye. And now it's time for the breed of the show.
1: So, I want to talk about ducks. I don't know if you girls have ever had ducks or have considered getting ducks, but I, I ha- think
2: I've had ducks. Okay. I love ducks. So I want you to
1: hold. Okay. I th- let's let, okay. I think the three of us love ducks. I know that I love ducks. I will tell you though, when you're in a situation where you see baby ducks and you look at how cute they are, it is wise to consider some things before getting ducks. Tigger, you may know this because you've had ducks. I, I And, well, I recently have purchased a house and some property and have definitely decided that I want to get some chickens. And I have a lot of people that have chickens. My good friend Tigger has chickens. I have other people that have chickens. And, you know, so you see a couple of ducks and you're like, well, let's pick up some ducks. Right. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you, there's some things you should consider. (laughs) And they are adorable. They are adorable, and I think they actually make really great pets, and from from fortunately, the internet can be a great tool in learning things about animals, and I'm going to suggest that anybody that ever goes anywhere that considers getting ducks or any other animal, always research it first, because you can't just pick up ducks and bring them home <laughs> and expect to be prepared. So I'm going to leave that story there. I will. I will also preface this by I didn't get the ducks, and I'm glad I didn't. Not because they weren't adorable and can make great pets. They really, really can, and they have great eggs. But I want to point out some things that people need to think about, which I did not know. What to consider? First off, they're they're an aquatic, and I'm not talking about specific breeds. There's all different types of ducks, and you know. So anybody that knows anything about ducks, I'm talking in a very general. You know, point here. So there's different types. They are very social and love routines. And if you raise them from little ducklings, they become very. They really bond with their person, and can be become very very affectionate. And I think everybody has seen on Facebook or seen videos of how cute ducks can be with kids. And they're and if if they're raised right, they can totally be very wonderful you know, pets, backyard pets. And they're actually, I'm going to name a couple like good qualities. They, their, their, their eggs are great for baking. I don't think they're, uh, I, I don't know that I've ever eaten a duck egg, like a scrambled egg, like from a chicken, but I, I know that they're supposed to be outstanding for, for baking. Um, they're very, they're very, very hearty and they're, you know, entertaining and they're adorable. They can be quite adorable. However, I want you to consider several things. One, Ducks need water. They're an aquatic bird. We all know that. Duck likes water. But like when you get a duck, <laughs> you need to consider the fact that they need water to be in, but they also they they mix their food yep. with water, which then can become a little messy. Tigger, would you agree? A hundred percent. Yes, they can be a little messy and when they and and they also eat a lot. And so the mixing of the water with the food can happen a lot which then creates what tigger come on this is a good question what if you eat a lot what does that create poop poop ducks poop a lot yes a lot. they do they poop a lot and they're messy but they're adorable <laughs> <laughs> so what i learned in this is that that they um That again, they're very, they're very hardy, which I don't know in comparison to chickens, Tigger, how you would consider them in comparison
2: to. Um, I I had Peking ducks and they were really hardy. Okay. Um, And I have talked to several different
1: people and they said that, you know, when you introduce ducks and chickens at the same time, they really get along quite well. Would you agree with that? Yes. Good. That's good to know. I want to make sure my sources are correct. Well, the biggest thing is is that you know th- that you you really do, in all seriousness, need to, to realize that they do need they're they're in and out of water, which that in itself makes it messy. The fact that they mix the water with their food makes it makes it messy, but also can get very smelly, and they poop a lot. So those you've got to consider. There's actually quite a lot of work that's going to go into them because you're going to be cleaning out. If they're free range, that's one thing, but they will poop all over and it probably won't smell as much but you are going to have to deal with the fact that duck poop is a is kind of gross but it's it's unbelievable fertilizer for i you. was gonna yeah right so that's the benefit because i'm trying to weigh the pros and the cons but unbelievable fertilizer so if you have them in a contained area you're going to be cleaning out that area at yep. least once a day yeah so but you can use it for fertilizer so the other thing is to consider is they talk a lot they're kind of loud would you would you agree tigger
2: mine were not i mean they you know they quacked but okay they were i didn't find them loud not compared to roosters
1: <laughs> okay well that's that's a whole, that's a whole other yeah that's a whole other thing um so You know, what I learned from this, this, my whole, my, I I was actually, um, I was in tractor supply and I was buying something else and they had three baby ducks left. And I was with my son who, if you show him something fluffy and whatever, he, he, he's like, mom, we can't leave the ducks. We can't leave these three ducks. And I am so grateful (laughs) <laughs> that I didn't pick up these three ducks because it would have been it would have been a lot worse. Because again, the other thing that you've got to consider whether you're getting chickens or ducks, is that if you decide to let them be free range, you've got to look in the area that you're in because if you have fox foxes or hawks, I mean you're you know basically going to be heartbroken if you don't bring these animals in at night. What did you do, Tigger? did Tigger? do you do you put
2: them up at night? Well, we don't or have do ducks you do anymore, them? but we had dog houses. <laughs>
1: Would they go in it? Would you yeah. put them in the area? Yeah, with okay. straw. Yes. And so, yeah, men. So you got it. Yeah, yeah, right. So one of the websites that, that, that I read, too, they talked about, like, trying to decrease the amount of sloppiness. You know, they're going to, they need the water, obviously, for eating, and they're going, and they're kind of, they poop a lot. But they would use milk jugs and cut a hole in it and put water, like, you know, kind of halfway up you could put water in the bottom which said it it help help decrease the amount of water spillage and
2: what oh, that's um, not but fair. you still
3: that's like making you making people eat off the the fancy china every day let the poor duck make a mess
2: <laughs> well, well uh, you know what it, we the, did we what? had a a kitty pool perfect oh, and that's okay. where the ducks swam and cleaned themselves and then we had okay. a horse bucket what, which is what they they dunk their food in
1: At, but not as little ducklings as bigger ducks
2: as bigger ducks when they were okay. little ducks they had smaller bowls to okay. dunk their food in
1: and how long did you have your ducks
2: well a couple of years um i named them all after political figures <laughs> <You didn't>. so <laughs> i had bill of course Clinton you didn't. did well, they all ducks, huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is a while ago. So that was right. Bill Clinton, Hillary, George, who's the the guy from Texas, per- Ross Perot. Oh yeah, Ross Perot. Oh my gosh. And then George Bush's wife, Barbara. Barbara. So I had five, and the ones that oh, and Ron and Nancy. So and,
1: that's so funny.
2: So Ron and Nancy. No, Ross Perot was the first one to get taken by a fox. Of mm. The ones that survived were George and uh, Bill Clinton.
1: Or, uh, oh, so wow, George okay.
2: Bush and Bill Clinton, they lived, uh, they were like three or four years old. I was going to say, they- I used to call them adventure quackers because <laughs> they would go way out of the pasture. These two big white peeking ducks quacking along, oh, picking crazy. up stuff. Yep.
1: Well, it's it I think the thing that was so interesting to me is, you know, I I was like, Okay, I've I've got space. I can easily make an area for these ducks. But when I did just a tiny bit of research, it really is different than getting chickens. And that was kind of my whole point of wanting to talk about this is that ducks, I mean, ducks are wonderful. And you've got, if you've got the land, there's, there's tons and tons of benefit to it. But the things that I learned was, you know, they don't always tend to roost in a box. They kind of lay their eggs everywhere. Did you find that to be the case? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of different than chickens. So, I mean, it's, I would say, would you say it's fair to say that ducks are a little bit more work than the chickens are because, of having to deal with how much they, they poop a lot more and, and the water and their eggs aren't always in one basket, so to speak.
2: Yeah, you notice that I don't have it, you know, after those ducks, I never got any more ducks. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, would and, you, I would
3: agree with you, Patty, that a duck is a little bit more labor intensive than a chicken. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people think of ducks as, oh, it's just a chicken with webbed feet. But there is a little more And i got to tell you. They they poop poop more. They get wet everywhere. So you need a lot more space for a duck. And they
2: shed their feathers a lot. Yes. Okay. And it it looks like snow on the lawn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But,
1: you know, and I know there's so many people out there that are duck people. And I'm not trying to in any way, shape, or form discourage people. But I think that what they need to realize, I was going into this initially as, oh, wow, this will be just like chickens. I've, I've, I've taken care of chicken and it's just not, It it's definitely different. It's a labor of love, which can be very beneficial, but it's not like getting chickens who, again, I'm glad to hear that they're equally hardy. Um, it's just a little bit more, it's a little bit more work, just something to consider because I, I didn't want to make the wrong choice. And then, you know, one person's like, oh, well, just get them to a certain point. And then they have, uh, they everything here is called a tank, not a pond, like we're used to, Tigger, on the East Coast, but they call them tanks. And, you know, I learned that, you know, you can put them out on a pond to, even though th- they can be, take care of themselves and they you can provide them with food well turtles um think that's great food so a lot of people have yeah. done that and then really have been um crushed when they lose followed, their ducks yeah. to turtles yeah happened, so yeah. it's just i think it was it was eye opening to me to be very aware that i needed to consider that this may not be as easy as it would be getting chickens so I just wanted to share my experience and encourage people to definitely think twice because it can be heartbreaking and also labor intensive that you may not be prepared for. So, you know, ask your friends that have ducks or have had ducks and and get their opinion before you go making the jump into that pond, so to speak.
2: Now we're at Critter Nutrition, and I get a lot of questions from owners and riders about alfalfa. So I thought I would sort of address them on alfalfa hay, cubes, and pellets. You know, what are the differences? When do you use what? Alfalfa hay is 26% protein on average. For some horses, that's too much protein, so when they eat alfalfa hay, it, they get a little. They can get a little silly. So for those horses that don't need that much protein, a much better choice is to go with pellets or cubes, which are only between fifteen and sixteen percent protein. I, I've I've had people tell me that if they feed alfalfa hay, they think their horse, you know, has some kind of reaction to it because they get silly and high and spooky, and, and, and that's the protein. Alfalfa is a complete protein for a horse. That means it has all the essential amino acids. It's very high in calcium, so it's really good for ulcer horses. But not every horse can eat alfalfa hay due to the high protein. So horses that kind of need to avoid this would be horses that are lemonitic metabolic horses, you'd kind of want to cut that, the amount of alfalfa hay you feed with a lower protein, like an orchard grass or a timothy, or you might want to just go with cubes and pellets. I use pellets or cubes as a base of a whole food diet. There are advantages certainly to feeding cubes and pellets, particularly for older horses who may have a hard time Eating alfalfa hay. A lot of alfalfa hay is very stemmy. It's got a lot of lignin, and lignin is, you know, that's what makes a tree strong. So it's not the, the stemmy part of alfalfa, may not be really digestible for a lot of horses. So sometimes it's just way easier to go with cubes and pellets. Again, you've got lower protein. The cubes you do need to soak, the pellets you don't need to soak, but I always err on the side of caution and I add water to my pellets anyway. And one of the reasons is, is when you think about horses eating grass, they're getting moisture in, in every bite because grass has moisture. When you feed something that's dehydrated like pellets and, and cubes, it, it's really going against the nature of the horse. The horse is used to eating food with moisture. So I always add water to my alfalfa pellets. Um, some of you may find that your horses don't like a really wet food. So you literally just want to add water to the pellets enough to moisten them and then feed. Don't make it a, a mash. The advantages of the cubes are that you can feed them in a ground feeder And you can add other things to either the cubes or the pellets. You can make that your meal or you can serve. What I do with some horses is we'll make a meal out of the pellets, add supplements, maybe, you know, flax or new gold or cool stance. And then we'll set down a ground feeder of the soaked alfalfa cubes. You can mix alfalfa with Timothy cubes or Timothy pellets or orchard grass pellets, or orchard grass cubes. Now Stanley's come out with tef That's T-E-F-F, hay in pellets, which is great for metabolic horses. If you've got an easy keeper, it's a little non-intuitive, but alfalfa is actually quite low in non-structural carbohydrates. So the NSC of alfalfa is, you know, between 10 and 11, A lot of grass hays are are either higher than that or lower than that. You have to get your hay tested to know. But it's a safe source of protein for metabolic horses. With the exception of a laminitic horse, in the middle of laminitis, you would definitely not want to feed alfalfa hay. You would go with the pellets or the cubes. And maybe you would cut it even more by adding some Timothy pellets or cubes. So that, in a nutshell, are all the benefits of alfalfa. I think it's one of the best foods for horses, and I encourage you not to be afraid of it. My, my one caveat is we are seeing in these allergy food allergy tests on horses that, along with soy, oats, Timothy, alfalfa is also showing up for some horses as an allergen. So if you've got ongoing immune issues, if you've got skin issues that just don't seem to clear up, if you've got digestive issues that you've treated for ulcers, you've done all these different, tried different diets, it still doesn't clear up, have your horse tested for allergies. And you may find that actually something that you're feeding is, is an allergen. Now we're at Coffee Clatch and the question of the day is, if your horse or dog was a human, what kind of car or truck would he or she drive? Jennifer? (laughs) Oh, I got to go first.
3: Yes. If if Nigel, affectionately known as Big Lumbering Oaf, (laughs) would drive a Hummer.
1: (laughs) Oh, God, that's great.
3: He would drive the original Hummer. And it would be an army surplus version that he bought at an
2: auction. That gets one mile to the gallon. Yes,
3: it would not be the consumer version with all the amenities.
2: Right. It would be the gnarly
3: old one and it would still have the antenna on the back and it would be bent. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Nigel would drive.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Okay. Patty P. Well, I've chosen to pick a vehicle for angus who is a french bulldog and he is i i don't know how many inches high or long but he's a tiny thing but he weighs 28 pounds and and this is going to be yeah i mean he's 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 a he's a tank he he truly and i i I mean, he would drive a Mack truck. <laughs> he, he just would, because every, <laughs> everything about him is, you know, is bulldogish. I mean, he just he just would, and he would have like one of those stupid hats on, and um, like probably a little cigar out of his mouth. But he no, would drive would, a Mack would truck. Would
3: he have a pimped out Mack truck, or would he have something traditional oh, no, or classic? No, Which would it no,
1: be? No, it, he'd be all he'd be like a Peterbilt, completely classic, long nose Peterbilt. None of these sissy things that they're doing now. They're all going to automatics. He, no, he would be. He's a shifter. Chrome. Yeah, and he'd probably be wearing overalls. And it. And they'd. They'd. <laughs> yeah. He'd be, and
3: would he have yeah. the mud flaps with the with the little silhouette of the girl on him?
1: No, he, he's not <laughs> tacky at all. No, he's not. <laughs> tacky. He just. He's just. He's all boy, but not a naughty boy. Okay. He's like a. He's like. Yeah. He's all about. He's. He's a motorhead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right,
2: Tigger. <laughs> well, I can't wait which dog she picks. I I pick Kimasabi. Okay. Tell everybody because who Kimasabi is. Kimasabi is my oldest Aussie. Um, he's twelve, and he's probably my most famous.
3: <laughs> he's featured regularly on the website episode pages for Healthy Critters Radio. So, well, longtime also, listeners. But he, also, know he writes
1: is. books, too. and he writes books, you know, and he writes, you
2: know. you and he writes books, books.
1: That's
3: right. Yeah. Yeah. he's a bestseller. So.
2: He's a published yeah. author. Yeah. He would be a vintage car guy, ah, okay. and I think his taste would be in, you know, a vintage MG or Jag, a sixty-seven E Type.
1: Yeah, uh, but I was. <laughs> thinking thunderbird
2: no well but his pocketbook would probably only be able to afford a vintage mustang okay
3: <laughs> <laughs> he would have okay the, he would have the jag but it would never run correct because he couldn't it would,
1: afford it the be, it takes, yeah. yes it, it yes. wouldn't have a motor in it yeah no, okay, no, okay.
2: He, yeah and he he'd probably spend his time tinkering around with it yeah okay
3: be well loved and never leave the garage. <laughs> never.
1: <laughs> and never leave. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Okay.
3: He, <laughs> he, he has a uh, Chevy Spark that he actually drives.
2: No, I would say that he <laughs> actually probably drives a, 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 Mini, a Mini Cooper. Oh, he's going
3: Mini Cooper because he's cool. <laughs>
2: yeah. Exactly. Oh, now, I want to know what. Glenn's horse would drive Scooter.
3: PT, PT Scooter, the Hackney Pony. What would PT Scooter drive? PT Scooter would have one of those little obscure generic looking Japanese cars <laughs> that oh, has the that has, that has the muffler on it that makes it sound like a herd of angry bees. <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh!
3: <laughs> and he would have the the woofers in the back,
2: so he has sort of like a muscle car.
3: Oh no 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 no! It's not a muscle car. They have a name for them, and because I'm old, I don't know what it is. But um, it's it's a very very in thing now to take these little itty bitty compact Japanese cars, older ones that are ob- obscure and unpopular, um, and you tweet you 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 pimp them out, and you put giant. <laughs> Size engines in them as giant as you can get for a teeny weeny little car and you put exhaust systems on them such that they sound like angry bees from a Marvel movie. Oh and, my then gosh. They, and then they do it's, something to the tires in the back so that they're camphored and they kind of stick out funky. And they're the most irritating little vehicles ever because everywhere <laughs> they go, they make this sound that makes your, your hair stand on end. And that's okay, what Scooter would drive terrible. because his entire life is... How can I irritate the human?
1: Oh, oh my gosh. That is we're hysterical. nothing but
3: play toys to him. We might as well be squeaky ducks. That's what we're here for.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> please let us know what what truck or car um, your horse or dog would drive. And um, let us know on Facebook, Healthy Critters, or on our website, healthycrittersradio.com. Thanks for listening,
1: everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at
2: biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show,
1: go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about
2: our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows
1: on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat.
2: Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. <laughs>